Thanks. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm an alcoholic. Thanks for inviting me today. Very pleased to be here. Um, I'm just a, an alcoholic in AA. I've got some experience with applying the principles in this chapter. I hope they help. And if, if they don't, I wouldn't worry about it. It's just, it's just my experience. That's all it is. Um, there are lots of interesting aspects to this chapter. Obviously, it's written to wives, fine. But I find it, it applies in all sorts of other ways. Just with everything else in the program, that the, the step nine principles about being tactful and considerate without being servile or scraping are useful in all sorts of human situations. And it's the same with this chapter. So I take things in their original context and, and I also see how I can apply them in in other ways and one of the things i like is is the classification of alcoholics on page 110 or, or up to 110 10910 where it's got these four different types of alcoholics and, and i got to aa thinking that i was a a type one or a type two and you know i i got to aa when i was 21 i'm heading for 50 now um closer to 50 than 45 let's put it like that uh, and I thought I was only a little way along the road, but in the fourth type of alcoholic, this is what it says. You may have a husband of whom you completely despair. At the age of 17, 18, people completely despaired of me because of my drinking. So just taking that line, I was already at stage four. He has been placed in one institution after another. That didn't happen. But then is violent or appears definitely insane when drunk. I don't know about anyone else, but it's burned into my memory. The look on people's faces, a combination of pity, fear and incredulity at just how I was. All I had to be was drunk. I, I didn't even have to be doing anything, but there was something so off about my being that people backed away from me, people crossed to the other side of the road. I, there was something not right. And people knew when I'd had one drink because my personality was completely different. Sometimes he drinks on the way home from hospital. I've literally done that. Um, Doctors may shake their heads. People have been shaking their heads at me for many years before I got to AA. And I'm ashamed to say for many years after as well. <laughs> um, I'm an alcoholic who is the type who is hopeless when drunk and hopeless when sober. And then it says this picture may not be as dark as it looks. Many of our husbands were just as far gone, yet they got well. I think in my case, it's because I was so far gone physically and mentally that I was willing to, I just, I just had no fight left in me in 1993. So when people told me to do things, I just did them. I mean, what one example I tell all the time, so if you've heard it before, I'm sorry, but I went on a date when I was nine months sober. Uh, now, I don't know what you tell your sponsees in London. They say don't date for a year. Anyway, nine, nine months I went on a date. And 
it was a disaster. It left me in emotional turmoil. And when I say date, it was a little more than a date. Let's just leave it at that. Emotional turmoil. I've, I phoned someone the next day, Maureen, and she patiently listens to the story and says, oh, for heaven's sake, tear up the number. So I tore up the number. I just did what I was said. It was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Now, I have to say the fight came back. It really did. Uh, years later. But what got me sober was the fact that I was so far gone that there was no fight left in me. <clears throat> the second aspect of this chapter I find immensely useful is all of the mistakes that I mean, it's 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 written as if by one of the wives. It's well documented. It was Bill who wrote it. But um, although it's patronising, maybe uh, to speak on behalf of the wives. Um, you you can tell in a sense he was speaking from his experience of, of dealing with other alcoholics because my experience over the last 27 years is exactly what he's writing from the point of view of the wife. So there were some alcoholics and some difficult people in my life when I was growing up. And I was certainly very much affected by the untreated Alanonism of my mother and other people in my family. But my Alanonism really took off. When it really took off was when I was in AA for a while and most of my time was spent with other alcoholics. If, if you're not a candidate for Al-Anon by the time you get here, if you have a fully fledged AA program and are surrounded by alcoholics, unless you're super bounded and well trained, you're probably going to end up like me, making every single mistake with other alcoholics in AA that these alcoholic wives are described as making with their alcoholic husbands. And the context in which this particularly happens, in my experience, is sponsorship. Because in uh, one of the slogans that they used to use a lot when I was new, they don't say it so much now, but they used to say stick with the winners. So when I was new, I gravitated towards people who were sober a long time and pretty well. Uh, I had friends around me that were working hard at the program and were pretty well. So the, there weren't that many tricky customers. If there was a tricky customer, I tended to give them a wide berth. Now, the alcoholic wife in 1930s America was arguably more tightly bound to the husband than it's easier to get divorced now for all sorts of reasons. They were stuck with these husbands and these mistakes arose. And uh, I've sponsored several hundred people in AA and other fellowships over the years. And the thing is about sponsoring people is by the nature of the situation, these are people who aren't very well. If they were well, they wouldn't need to be sponsoring. They'd be sponsoring me. So you've got problem people. Fine. In chapter seven, it says like every three lines, 
remember that they're ill, remember that they're ill, remember, it just keeps repeating it in different ways. And rather like with the alcoholic wife, you're kind of stuck, if you're going to do your duty in AA, you're kind of stuck with them. You have to find a way of interacting healthily with people who aren't very well. And there is no other domain of life where I'm exposed to unwellness um, as regularly and persistently as in sponsorship. And because of that, I developed my own equal and opposite unwellness. And this is the Alanonism. Um, one slogan that they use in Al-Anon is that the horns in the head of the alcoholic match the holes in the head of the Al-Anon. So this is not about blame. It's about learning to dance a dysfunctional dance with people who aren't very well and becoming just as dysfunctional yourself. Um, now, I'm sure all of your sponsees are placid and cooperative and you yourselves are you know, totally boundaried and perfectly poised at all times. So I may be speaking to the couple of people in the room who've had trouble with their sponsees over the years. If you're dealing with your sponsees, fine, it's all smooth. Don't need to worry about any of this. Um, if you're as unwell as I've been, this might be of use. Um, one basic point about sponsorship, which lies outside the chapter, is what I'm supposed to do is simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for them. And if they pick up the tools, fine. If they don't, that's also fine. Now, those instructions are not complicated, but I get I get I get entangled uh, with people. I'm really boundaried now. There's been a huge amount of change, but hi historically, like with the first hundred sponsees, I got super entangled in all sorts of ways. And the passages which are relevant here are from, uh, they start from 105. Uh, it's where the, the, the wife is talking about the mistakes they've made. So they hope that other people won't make the same mistakes. Um, it says we have been unselfish and self-sacrificing. Now we're supposed to be self-sacrificing. Um, according to the big book. So on the bottom of 14, top of 15, it says if an alcoholic didn't perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he couldn't possibly survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. But what I'm sacrificing the, there is the, is, is the self of ego, the self of ambition, the self of pride, the self of conceit, the self of vanity. Um, the mistake that I would make is to run around newcomers like I'm serving them, like to be so uh, uh, giving and so unbounded that they're like sitting on top of the throne and I'm uh, uh, and I'm just, you know, there with a little pot offering it up to them on the throne. It's very interesting. When I was new, I saw old timers respond to me in very different ways. And initially, there were some old people who were sober a few years who ran around me like headless chickens. Whenever I was upset, they would go to any lengths to help me. And I mean, I wasn't a very nice person. 
Maybe I'm not a very nice person now, but I certainly wasn't a very nice person then. I loved the power and I loved the control. I loved seeing other people be be as it puts puts it here selfish and self-sacrificing for me i love the fact that they put a little timer in there a little alarm clock on so that they would call me at 8 a.m in the morning i didn't even need to get out of bed all i had to do was take the call they were running around me and i loved it but when push come push came to shove the people i trusted were the people who said we're over here. Recovery is over here. If you want to talk to us, come to our meeting. Come for coffee afterwards. Completely different MO. And those were the ones that I trusted because I couldn't manipulate them. I couldn't work my way around them. Uh, the, the people who said, we have something to offer. If you'd like it, come and get it. If you don't want to come and get it, that's fine. Um, Sometimes I've been so keen to carry the message of recovery to people that I make up for their lack of willingness with like extra super willingness of my own, with lots of encouragement and cajoling and persuading. And it's exactly what the wife does in this chapter. Um, the rule that the principle that my sponsor gave me was never be more enthusiastic about your sponsee's recovery than they are about their own recovery. And the principle comes in from um, the, the from chapter seven. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. And over the years, about 90, I mean, it's different now. Uh, I've got a number of sponsees and basically everyone's working hard. Uh, if they don't work hard, it's over. They're going to have to find someone else. Um, but for years, I would spend 90% of my time on the 10% of the sponsees that were showing the least willingness. And people had the ability to drag me into dramas and situations and complex discussions about their personal relationships with a capital R or without a capital R, um, uh, all sorts of complex questions and I would get sucked in and I don't anymore. My deal with sponsees now, and this is going to sound harsh, but there we go. When sponsees call me, my service level agreement with them is if you call me and you don't get through, you send me a little text on WhatsApp and I'll get back to you within 24 hours. Um, usually a lot quicker, but I aim to get back within 24 hours. So that we're not in, in a situation where I'm more enthusiastic about their recovery than they are about theirs. If I give you an exercise, you come back to me within 24 hours. If you don't, the deal is off. And if you haven't completed it within 24 hours, I want a little message by 6 p.m. on WhatsApp on the day in question saying why and what progress you have made. Um, sponsors want me to be available straight away. That's going to work both ways. Then there is parity. Then we're equals in the relationship. And what I found by doing this especially recently, I've been much tougher on this recently, 
the people that want to step up to the plate are sliding through the program like a hot knife through butter and all sorts of, you know, because we're in daily contact, the uh, uh, they don't build up psychological blocks against me or against the program, which often would happen before. I find that I get on well with sponsee. They don't call for three weeks. The next time they call, there's this weird wall of hostility. I would do this. I would not call a sponsor for weeks and build up these phantasms in my head about what they thought about me. And the next time I called them, I was on the defensive. So I know that other people do the same. I find people sailing through blocks which would have, have uh, tripped them up before. There's another line. We have prayed. We have begged. We have been patient. We have struck out viciously. We have been hysterical. Um, and, and this covers this covers lots of mistakes that I've made. I've asked God to help sponsor people, but I've told God they're supposed to get well. You show me how I'm going to do it. And this is this is all the wrong way round. I don't know if someone is supposed to get well right now. I don't know if they're ready. I don't know if they're willing. All I'm supposed to be going to God for is what do I say next? What do I do next? Um, uh, this begging business. I've tried to persuade people not to drink. <laughs> I've tried to persuade people to work the steps. I've, and I don't anymore. Um, I, I've used this story before, but it's a, it's one that stuck in my mind. When I was a few months sober, I, uh, no, no, a few weeks sober, I phoned up this woman Sue, who's thirty years sober, and said, Sue, I want to drink. And she said, AA's for people that don't want to drink. And she put the phone down. And then I phoned her back and said, Sue, it's me again. Um, I don't want to drink, but I feel tempted. I'm frightened that I'm going to, but I don't want to drink. She said, right, now we're in business. She wasn't going to play the game of persuasion, which is where... Uh, uh, as a friend of mine describes it, it's like wrestling a greased pig. You're the one that gets covered in mud and the pig loves it. I've been the greased, I've been the greased pig. When I'm ready, I just listen and 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 follow what people said. Um, uh, there's a, a, a principle, uh, which actually I get from outside AA, from my religious tradition, where you you just say yes first and then you ask questions later when my sponsor asks me to do something i say yes first and do it and i might ask ask questions later usually just by doing it i don't need to ask the question he has never begged me to do anything um i don't know if you have any of you have ever been a tiny little bit irritated on occasion with a sponsee and adopted a tone you wouldn't want other people to overhear. I've done that. Um, we've struck out viciously. We've been hysterical. I've been both. Um, my, the thing that I've been working on for the last 10 years, I'm going to give it another 10 years before it fully kicks in, is being completely at peace when I'm talking to sponsees. If I'm not at peace, I need to withdraw from the situation, come back later. Um, a trick, there's a neighbor of mine. Uh, it's like rear window here. I can see a whole load of flats opposite and they can see into my flat. 
there's a bloke who, when he's on work calls, you can see him pacing round and round and round the room. And then I realised when I'm on the on the phone to a sponsor, I pace round and round and round the room as well. And the more I pace, the more irritated I get. What I've learned to do on, on phone calls, if I'm going to be of any use, I need to be at peace. I need to be in contact with my higher power. And to do so, I sit down, I relax myself physically, and my whole voice changes. Um, I'm an incredible, by nature, an incredibly hot-tempered person, and I've needed to work against that. I needed to work against my basic nature, uh, practice the opposite virtue, um, so that I don't make the mistakes talked about uh, in this book. Um, a couple more points in this chapter. Uh, it says... Um, our men have sworn great solemn oaths that they were through drinking forever. We have believed them when no one else could or would, then in days, weeks or months a fresh outburst. Now, I've had sponsees that have become serial relapses. And I don't think I've ever succeeded with, uh, well, I've succeeded. I don't think I've ever had a, a sponsee who's been a serial relapser um, who in staying with me as their sponsor for more through more than one or two relapses has made it. There are people that come to me as a sponsor who've had who've been relapsing for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and they come to me, we go through the steps, they get well. But once that relapsing pattern starts, you know, I found it useful a couple for a couple of relapses, maybe one relapse, maybe two. We examine what happened, we recalibrate, we look at the first three steps, we look at the mistakes, we look at the willingness. And either it takes or it doesn't, and it often takes, but if it doesn't, I let go. I say, look, I don't know if this is me, I don't know if it's you, but something's not working. And I've got to have a friend of mine as a Jesuit priest says, have the grace to know when you're out of your depth, have the grace to know when it's not your job to continue here. It's just as important for me to learn to say no as it is to say yes. And I help the person find some other good people. And often people struggle with me for too long. I hold on too long, they hold on too long. They get another sponsor. Within six months, their life is transformed. How embarrassing, <laughs> but it's the right thing to do. I let people go if, it's, if, if I need to. And also it's the same with, um, uh, I came to AA, a very tricky, manipulative character with, I get very entangled with, with, with other people and uh, uh, develop tricky, entangled relationships with lots of uh, reacting and resisting. And I would re reject sponsors' help, but keep going back for it. I reproach them in all sorts of ways. And as soon as one of those weird patterns develops with a sponsee, I, the deal is off. What I've been sponsored by a lot of different people over the years. I've had the same sponsor for about 12 years, 11, 12 years now. Um, but before that, I had a lot of different people that helped me. And one thing that was interesting was that uh, they're all very different. But they, they all said this, they all use the same phrase, business is business. It's a, an intimate relationship in some ways, sponsorship, but it's also, um, there, there's got to be some balance. 
there's got to be some emotional distance. I've got to be able to say really difficult, challenging things because I feel guided to without being worried that they're going to dislike me, badmouth me to other people, never call me again, react in a hostile way. I've got to have that distance. Um, uh, Jim W, who sponsored my first, my, my, my sponsor, um, said you've got to rise above the problem. If you get entangled with the problem, you become part of the problem. So I've got to remember, I'm hit. it's the higher power that helps other people in AA. I've never helped anyone. I've made myself available as a channel, and sometimes people have been helped. Um, I wanted to talk about some other stuff, but I'm coming up to the 25 minutes now. But uh, I, I've, I've been living with someone for 16 uh, years or so. We've been married a few years. And the principles on pages 111 through to 118 or so provide a sufficient and complete basis for a healthy relationship. Uh, I thought I needed to look elsewhere. I didn't. Specifically, bottom of 117, top of 118. And it's basically this. Live and let live. Don't argue. Show, show the other person good qualities in you and they will be reflected back to you for them. So in any relationship, my job is not to fix, change, or control the other person. My job is to help, ask my higher power to help me overcome my own character defects. When I do that, everything else sorts itself out. Um, that's all I've got. Thank you for listening.